Do you love science fiction and fantasy books? You found yourself in the right dimension. Welcome to the greatest podcast in the multiverse, where each week I talk to science fiction and fantasy authors about myth, magic, and the infinite possibilities of storytelling. I'm your host, Herman Stuernagel, and I will be taking you on a journey with some of your favorite authors, helping you to get to know them and possibly uncover some new literary gems along the way. Ready to explore? Because on this show, every conversation is a doorway into a different world. So welcome to the second episode of the greatest podcast in the multiverse. I'm so happy you're here. If you have found me from the previous episode, welcome back. If this is the first time you're joining me, welcome here. This is the show where we talk to science fiction and fantasy authors. Today's episode, I'm featuring a friend of mine, Star Z Davies. Uh, You'll hear a little bit more about her in a minute. Uh, I just want to thank everyone who did tune in last week. I had a great response to the first episode of my podcast, um, both on YouTube and on multiple streaming platforms. So thank you very much. Um, Please do like and subscribe my video or the podcast. It does really help me reach new people and a new audience. Uh, This has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate all the support that I've been getting so far. I've definitely been learning as I go. It's been a steep learning curve putting together a podcast. I wasn't really sure what to expect. This is the first podcast I have recorded, and it has been a lot of fun, but it's been challenging, and there have been hurdles along the way, learning, especially the video editing side of things. I've done a little bit of that in the past, but this has definitely taken things to a different level. So thank you again, and um, I'm glad you're here. So as I mentioned, Star Z Davies, uh, she is a friend of mine. We started our publishing journeys about the same time. You'll hear a little bit about that when I get to the interview. Uh, She's a dystopian science fiction and fantasy author. We both published our dystopian books around 2020. Not the greatest time to publish a dystopian book. We just quickly discovered, uh, but we both kept at it. And she's got a wide range of books under her belt now. And she, you'll hear in the interview that she has just published the second installment to that dystopian universe called the Powers Legacy series. So we're going to talk to her all about that. So in this interview, we talk about her writing process. We talk about the inspiration behind her world building and her characters. And we talk a little bit about the reason why she earned the nickname, the character assassin. It's a fun interview. I always have a great time chatting with Star. I hope that you enjoy it. And again, Please remember, this is the beginning of my podcasting journey, so my interviewing techniques do need a little work, but hang in there, bear with me, it's worth hearing what Star has to say. Thanks for joining me, and without further ado, I'll read out Star's bio and then we'll get to the interview. Star Z Davies lives in northern Wisconsin with her husband, two kids, and robotic pets, Jonathan and Tony Shark. I love those names. I regret that I didn't ask her about those during the show, so we are going to have to have her back and tell us about her robotic pets. She spends her days writing by the lake, dreaming up new ways to torture her characters, and her nights as a book-reading, TV show-binging, Marvel-loving, wine-drinking mom. Her books are genre-blending dystopian or historical fiction that explore the human experience and everything has a sci-fi or fantasy twist. The stars of her stories are unsung heroes of their time who face inner turmoil, insurmountable odds, and efficiencies to complete their goals. You can read more about Star and her books at StarZDavies.com. Welcome to the greatest podcast in the multiverse. Today I have Star Z Davies uh, joining me. Um, welcome here, Star. 
Hi, thanks for having me. Well, you're, you're very welcome. Uh, Star and I have kind of been following each other, I think, since our, our writing journeys, or at least our publishing journeys started here. Um, we kind of did some book swaps early on, and we've been reading each other's work since. So I'm really yeah. happy to have her on today. I'm, I'm a huge fan of her latest series, the Powers Legacy series. Um, so Thank I'm you. super happy to, to have you talk about that today. Um, it's definitely been one of my favorite reads of the year so far, and, and they've all been coming out this year, which has been great. I haven't had to wait for very long for the next <laughs> book to come out. <laughs> um, so welcome here, Star, and uh, to get us started, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are and your writing journey and what has brought you to this point in your author career? So um, I am a mother and a Marvel fangirl and Doctor Who fangirl and, well, just a, a fangirl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to Comic-Con, though I've always wanted to go. Um, as far as my writing journey goes, I think I started writing when I was in like fourth grade. Um, my first book was called Mariah in the Haunted House. Oh. And it was, I even illustrated it. It was terrible. <laughs> I was in fourth grade though. So what do you expect? Um, and then when I was in high school, I used to walk around with notebooks in my backpack that had different screenplays in them. Nice. And instead of paying attention in class, I was writing my screenplays and it just kind of um, I think it was in 2001 or 2002 when my husband suggested that I should just write a book. Nice. And I was like, I don't know what to write. And I came up with some ideas and none of them satisfied me. And so I didn't actually start writing um, my first book, Ordinary, until 2014. Okay. And it was not published until 2020 so that first one took me a long time right. to get through excellent so um and then yeah so then once you once you did get ordinary out i mean that one took you six years from start to start to publication and then you started uh you started putting them out pretty rapidly after after that point <laughs> i kind of figured it out after once i got through that first one i kind of figured out what my rhythm was yeah and after that it became much easier <laughs> that seems to be the way it goes you often hear of you know you often hear the first book a writer puts out it takes them a few years and then and then they start getting in the groove and i think a lot of it is or what i found at least is that mental hurdle of knowing that you can write a book that you can finish and publish it and then once you've crossed that hurdle um, it's sometimes easier to yeah yeah because that one the original of ordinary was quite different from what oh, the really? final product was um, I actually was in a, a writing critique group for a little while, and when I started pushing that book through the group, they picked out all kinds of things, and I, it was really hard yeah. for me to handle, but I took all of their feedback seriously, and I stepped back and reevaluated it and ended up rewriting most of the book. Um, and I think that the final product came out a lot better. So I definitely owe that first success in a pretty big part to that group. Awesome. Well, I think it turned out well. I like, <laughs> like I said, I am a big fan of that series. Um, but you do have a you do have a few series out. So tell us a bit about um, how many books you have and and what they're about because I know you cross a couple of genres as well. 
I did. So so there's the Power series. That one is three books. I have 11 books in total. Um, and I have a novella that's like a steampunk, mind-bendy kind of thing. Um, and then I have, I think, three uh, short stories that are kind of sort of prequels to my bigger series. Um, they're like little pieces of, of information, little nuggets that you wouldn't otherwise get in other places. Um, but I have, yeah, so the Power series was, was my first. Um, that one is three books. It was originally only supposed to be two. And then everybody really wanted to find out what the hell happened to Bianca. Um, and so I had to explore that a little bit. And I ended up writing her story that kind of runs parallel to the events that happen in Unique. Um, and so that's a kind of a fun sci-fi dystopia, pretty pretty basic dystopian right. kind of story. Okay. Um, the Fractured Empire Saga is a Mongolian historical fiction. And that one I actually started because back in 2012, I read this book that is probably still on my bookshelf behind me somewhere. That's the secret history of the Mongol queens. And like the entire first half of the book spanned like 200 years of, of these women in the Mongol empire. And then the entire second half of the book was all about this one woman. Okay. And um, her name was Mandukai and she basically restored the empire. The empire had fallen apart. It had been 200 years since Genghis Khan's death and, and the empire had fallen apart and she, pulled everything back together, which was huge because they were a very um, male-based society. The mm. men were the ones in charge and, you know, the women were in charge of the families and the men were in charge of everything else. Okay. And so her story really inspired me. And I knew when I read that, that at some point I was going to have to tell it. Right. Um, okay. So that is a four book series. That's, it's a lot of fun. It's <laughs> very different from my dystopian books, but there's some really fantastic characters and i think when i counted it out there were like a hundred and some characters throughout oh, wow. the series wow. and out of those hundred and some characters over 70 of them are actual historical people wow so that's so quite a different um writing process then as in terms of research yes Yes, wow. it was. I actually reached out to the author of The Secret History of the Mongol Queens oh, really? and was like, I want to write her story. I want to make it a fun historical fiction, but I want to keep it kind of historically accurate as well. Right. So like, he sent me all kinds of information and I was like, I don't know how to pronounce any of these names. And he's <laughs> like, there's this really good thing called an audiobook. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. I don't know why I didn't think of that. Right? <laughs> so I downloaded the audiobook and listened to it. And I was like, now I know how to say everybody's names. This is fantastic. Um, but yeah. yeah, so he actually helped me out a little bit. Okay. Um, That's fascinating. At one point, he had to step away from the project because he's like, I sold the rights. I can't do anything for you oh. anymore. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, if you sold the rights to a motion picture company, I should probably finish writing this series now. Um <laughs> And get it out there before anything happens with it, if anything happens with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes that, those processes can take years if, if they happen at all once the rights are sold. But right. yeah, that's fascinating. You know, that's the one series of years that I haven't um, picked up yet. 
um, because it's a, just a little bit outside of my wheelhouse and I'm, I'm a, I am a slower reader, so <laughs> I have to stick within so, my genre when I read, but I, I know you. I'm, I'm the same way, but yeah. that one, um, some of the people who have read it have, have said that it kind of feels more like Game of Thrones than it does, you know, a historical book. So, yeah, and, I've heard and I actually took a bit of pride in that. Mm -hmm. I was like, really? I wrote a Game of Thrones. That's fantastic. But I can see a lot of parallels. So like Mandakai's story is very similar to Daenerys Targaryen. So okay. I'm not really surprised that people compared them to right. each other. So something, yeah. So definitely, I mean, a series that epic fantasy readers can definitely check out and probably still enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it is on my list of, of things to read, but like I said, it's uh, I stick, I stick close to the science fiction and fantasy as I'm trying to find comparables <laughs> for my stories and, and that sort of thing, as you know, so and I don't. Yeah, uh, I usually do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we'll, we'll talk more about your, your Powers Legacy series because that is, um, that's your most recent series. And um, we'll talk about a little bit more later. But first, I want to know a little bit about your nickname. Uh, they call you the character assassin. So I'd like to know a little bit of the history behind that and, and how that plays a part in your writing. So that was another, another moniker that I earned during my time as an undergrad um, in my creative writing classes. I was in a screenwriting class where I wrote a story. It, you know, my screenplay was called The Last Man to Die. Um, I didn't think it was very good, but my instructor really liked it. And she was like, oh, you, you should definitely carry through with this story. And I was like, I don't really know where the story ends, hmm. right? It was an assignment and I did it. Right. But she's like, I'm going to guess that it ends with him dying. And I was like, probably. Um, <laughs> that's probably where the story goes, but mm -hmm. I don't really know. Um, and I had, I had all kinds of stories where like short stories that I was writing for classes and and like little treatments for other stories and all of them people were dying and so that was my classmates and my instructors started calling me the character assassin because I was killing people left and right and I'm like I only do it when the story serves right right like, <laughs> I don't just do it at random <laughs> absolutely I you know I definitely feel that it it keeps the tension um high in your stories because you know people um you know you, you can't get too comfortable that that plot armor that people talk about isn't isn't there necessarily in your books yeah and that's extremely true in the uh, the fractured empire saga that one you know i actually had somebody say you keep killing everybody and i'm like newsflash it's historical fiction they're all dead right. um, <laughs> but yeah, so Easton, um, in the, the Powers Legacy series, I wrote him in, I probably shouldn't tell this story, but I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> um, my my daughter had a bully at school, and she was she did not like this boy. And I was like, I'll write him into my books and kill him for you. And she's like, okay. So he is actually supposed to die in the first book. Um You've read the first yes. book, so you know that it doesn't happen. Um, I won't. I won't give away what his fate ends up being by the end of the series. But, but my daughter wasn't very happy with me. She, she's like, "Why is he still alive?" Right. Like, I'm sorry. It's I intended for him to die, but he had other ideas. Just, yeah. just, 
because he's like a cat. The guy's got nine lives. No matter what I do, he keeps bouncing back. Right? Yeah, and you're definitely you're trying hard. I can tell you're not treating him well. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, so you know, so when you're writing a story, you know, you know, what does your what does your writing process look like? How do you tackle it? Are you do you outline the entire series? Um, like, how does your what does your day to day look like? So well, those are two very different they, answers. They, yeah, they, um, <laughs> but so as far as, as the, the process goes, usually when I get an idea for for a book, I'll, I kind of outline it like I'm like, OK, so what's what's the overall story and what do I want to accomplish with it? And I write those things out and then I try to make sure that I have I understand the world. And I understand at least the main character or characters okay. in the story. And then I go with it. Like, it's kind of flexible for me. I I have, as long as I get from A to B, I kind of let the characters take control of the story a little bit. Okay. Um, and there are definitely times when I've had to, to push them a different way. Because I'm like, nope no, you can't do this thing. This is the thing you're supposed to be doing here. Right. Uh, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Zephyr wasn't supposed to show up in the powers um, in Desolation oh, until really? like the very end. Okay. And he ended up becoming a POV character. Right, yeah. From the very beginning, so. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. And it's it's interesting how those things play out from what you what you think is going to happen at the beginning to, you know, as the story develops, what what it really demands to happen yeah it was it was a lot harder with the fractured empire books because i had you know a historical timeline to follow right and that one was only supposed to be three books and it ended up being four because the second book um by the time i got about halfway through writing the second book in the series i already had a whole book and so i had to accept the fact that there was going to be another book right yeah (laughs) Yes, I've definitely been there as well <laughs> with my current series. It's like, yeah, there's more than one book here. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, so with, let's say, um, you know, with the Powers Legacy series, um, do you, did you have, like, do you have an end, like, when you started, did you have an end point of how, how everything was going to finish at the end? Like, did you have it mapped out at least that, to that degree? Yes. Okay. So, I, I I knew how it was going to start and I knew how it was going to end. I knew how each of the books was supposed to end too. Okay. Um, well, not really book three. Book three took me by surprise a little bit. Okay. Um, but that was one of those that once the characters took the story, I think that I was like maybe only about a quarter of the way into book three before I figured it out. Okay. And I was like, oh no. Um, so I, I was still pretty early in the process when I was writing the third book before I knew how it was going to end. Okay. But, but yeah, I usually know how the story is going to end. It's just kind of letting the characters get there. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so how about um, the second part of my question there? How about, what does your, what does your day-to-day writing process look like? Do you write every day? Do you have a scheduled time? How do, how do you fit writing into your schedule? So the summers are usually a little bit different than the school years, just because mm-hmm. I've got, you know, kids at home. Right. Um, so during the school year, you know, my husband goes off to work and my I 
get my kids off to school and then I come home and I sit down with a cup of coffee and I write until my brain says I'm done. Um, sometimes that's only an hour or two and sometimes, you know, it's the whole time the kids are gone to school. So it varies. Um, but, you know, it's more than just writing too. You know that. It's it's about the all of the marketing and the social media and all of that stuff too. So trying to find that balance while I'm also trying to write. There are times when I'll go completely silent on social media because yeah. I'm so busy trying to get the books done. Right. And I don't have time to sit on social media and post videos on TikTok and <laughs> Yeah, it's a delicate balance, isn't it? Trying to, you know, it is. you've got to get the book done, but you also people need to also hear about it and it's hard to find that balance of where where you're putting your time. So I, I hear you there. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, so we, you have a few different genres, but what, you know, what authors inspired you to write? Um, you started off with, you know, kind of dystopian, you went to historical fiction. Now you're kind of back into the dystopian again. Um, what authors have inspired you and, and, uh, how has that influenced your writing? So Robert Jordan, his wheel of time series was huge for me. That was a complete game changer for yeah. me. Um, it's an extremely in-depth read right it's not something that you know most people will just sit down and breeze through it takes a long time there's a lot to trudge through yeah. um but he he was a huge inspiration just he showed me that the story can be as big as you want it to be yeah, yeah. and you don't have to limit yourself which i think people are figuring out as they read my books um <laughs> I may not have a huge cast of characters like he does, and I definitely don't think I will ever write a fourteen book series. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's yeah. he was a huge inspiration. He kind of opened the door for me and and made me see what the possibilities were. Brandon Sanderson was another one. Mm -hmm. um, I read his books all the time. He had a new book out. I had it in my hand. Right. And I got to a point where, and I wasn't a very fast reader at that time. Um, mm -hmm. So I got to a point where I was reading only his books because yeah. he was cranking books out <laughs> so fast. Yeah. And I was like, I have to stop this. I have to stop. And so I admittedly haven't read anything by him in a few years. Okay. Um, and because I'm, it was really easy to get sucked in. Yeah. He writes such fantastic stories and I wanted to expand, right? I was so busy reading only him that yeah. I didn't have time for anyone else. So I kind of, I put him on the back burner. He's still one of my favorite authors, right. but I just haven't had, I, I want to read Branch as many out. people as I can. Yeah. I, yeah, I understand that too. I, you know, I have, I actually still have been, uh, the wheel of time is one of my favorite series as well. I still haven't finished it. Yet. I still have one more book to go. Oh no. Um, <laughs> well, no spoilers for me. Then. <laughs> no, it, you know, it's one of those ones where I have, um, it takes me a month to read one of those books. Cause I am a slow reader because I mean, I, I work full time. So my free time is writing time. So I have to choose between writing and reading a lot of times. So if I'm spending an entire month reading one book, that that's that's a few other books I could have read that month so right. yeah I understand not you know with Brandon Sanderson too like he pumps out a lot of books and a lot of them are long books too so yeah that's <laughs> definitely understandable 
All right. Well, you know, I do. Let's talk more about the Powers Legacy series because I want to give you a chance to to go into depth with with that one. So, can you tell us a little bit more about about that series and what it's all about? So that series is, you know, it's a kind of a dystopian, post apocalyptic sci fi fantasy. It's got all of the elements in it. Um, it's not. It doesn't strictly adhere to one or the other. It kind of takes all of them and tosses them in a blender and mixes them up together but the the overall story is it's kind of about the human experience right you've about self-doubt and feelings of inadequacy there's a whole lot of that that goes on with everybody in the story um it also is about you know profound love and loss and how do we deal with that and and it has a lot to do with just accepting other people, even if you don't understand who they are or where they come from. Learning how to be open and to accept that and how to see things through other people's eyes. You know, we kind of need to learn to be flexible with the human experience because there's no way for us to be able to see things through other people's eyes. Um, authors kind of have a unique experience with that, right? We get, mm-hmm. to, we get to be that filter for people. And I like that. I, yeah. I enjoy that part of, of writing. But yeah, as Powers, the Powers Legacy series is definitely kind of about the melting pot, really. Like, and how, yeah. how do we learn to get along with each other when everyone is so different? And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and that is one thing that I, I have really enjoyed about it is you take these characters and you're putting them into situations that are really outside of their comfort zone and what they're used to and they're really and into different situations too and they have to really deal with what's happening around them in different ways yeah um so what was what was your inspiration behind creating this series because it is a spin-off of your first series um so how did what made you return to this world and and what kind of inspired you to to write this so the original power series is still a favorite it's like i still sell more of those books than i do of any of the other ones and people seem to really like the world and so i thought what happens beyond this world Mm. and so i thought about that but then there's also the inspiration came a little bit from the crossfit games I'll get there. Hang on. You look very confused. (laughs) So I don't know how many people watch or know about the CrossFit games. Um, It's not specifically the games themselves, but there is a girl who competes every year and her name is Paige Powers. And I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now the Paige Powers in my series is nothing like her. Um, except for like maybe the muscle memory part that's that's about it right um but as far as like looks go she's totally different i don't know anything about the real page powers personality i don't know what kind of person she is so i don't know how those two things align with each other it was really the name the name and i was like well if he had a daughter and then i'm like well he wouldn't have just one kid he you know eugene would have would have definitely he was an only child Mm -hmm. he wouldn't want his child to be an only child so he would have more than one kid and then i'm like yeah but i don't want to be stuck in the same world right Right. like everybody already knows this world and so 
I had to find some way to push them outside the city mm-hmm. and make them go out into the world so that I could kind of expand on the universe a little bit. Yeah, that's excellent. And yeah, it really takes a different tone from the original Power series as well. Like you did a, a good job yeah. of taking the, you know, the original universe, expanding on it, but really making it its own story as well. Well, thank you. I tried. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, this, like you said, you kind of have a blend of different subgenres within this story. You know, it kind of really lends itself to, um, yeah, it's really a science fantasy, dystopian science fantasy book. You kind of have elements of all, yeah. all three of those subgenres in there. Um, when you're writing this series, like, do you have, did you have any specific tropes in mind that kind of fit into the, the reader's expectations of those subgenres? I feel like I touched on a few, you know, mm-hmm. you've got, as far as dystopian fantasy goes, there's always the royalty. And for some reason, the men are always the royalty, right? Or, well, maybe not always, but, but a lot of the time, it seems to be the, the male character in the story is the royalty and the female character is the one that's coming into the royal family. So I yeah. kind of wanted to play with that a little bit. Okay. Um, so that's kind of Paige's experience, right? Where yeah. she she gets kind of forced into it and she does not want to but so i played with that and the whole enemies to lovers thing seems to be very popular in pretty much every genre right now and so i wanted to play with that a little bit um as far as the sci-fi goes i i mean i don't feel like this series is as much sci-fi as the original power series right because that one was definitely way more like futuristic city tech based and this one only kind of touches on it because you know Paige and gavin and easton all have this futuristic tech from their city when they leave home right so i there's not a whole lot of that that comes back into play until the last book in the series okay yeah yeah, and, and that and that's that's true too. And I think that definitely Paige's story. It kind of for me, I kind of got vibes of you know Throne of Glass and Red Queen, like the the really um, just YA dystopian stories, and and that um, that royalty piece that you were talking about. Those tropes, def, you definitely weave those in quite well into into her story. Um, and then you know there are definitely the other tropes are with Gavin and Zephyr's story as well. Um, they were not as obvious to me what those tropes were because that side of the genre I think was, is maybe not what I'm as familiar with. Um, did you have any specific tropes in mind that when you were exploring, I guess, especially Gavin's story because he, he's kind of in his, in a different setting, at least after book one. Yeah. He's kind of um, set up in a, uh, a religious society, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's, he gets rescued away by these people and then finds out that it's not much of a rescue after all. Um, and so for him, it's more about finding himself, I guess, um, and and stepping out of his comfort zone because that's an extremely difficult thing for him to do. Gavin has he has um, a lot of social issues. He's highly intelligent, but it's often a detriment to him because mm-hmm. even though he knows things, he doesn't always see things. And so he, that's where Drake comes into the story. Drake ends up being that filter for him and, right. and has to 
sometimes very bluntly point things out to him and say, no, this is exactly what's going on right now. And, and then Gavin is like, oh, yes, I see all of the lines. As soon as somebody says it, like he puts all the pieces together pretty quickly. Right. So, but, but he's also propped up as this, this potential savior for these people who have been living underground for a hundred years. And, and he, he does not like it. He's a man of science. He's, he understands logic. He doesn't understand religion. Yeah. And so he has to come to terms with who he is and find a way to accept that the two things are different, but maybe not as different as he thinks. Hmm. And so his, his, Oh, continue. No, his his journey was actually a lot of fun to write, but it was challenging because he's he's definitely a keep me in my comfort zone person. And there were times when he needed to step out of it and he absolutely refused to cooperate when I was writing. Like he would just completely shut down and give me nothing. And I'm like, no, we got to do something here, man. You can't just sit here. Um, <laughs> It was a struggle for him. <laughs> his, you know, his storyline um, definitely, or his personality would definitely lend itself to not not wanting to step out of that boundary. I can see how you how that would have been been a struggle to push him a little bit <laughs> in that direction. Yeah. Um, so I mean, so each of the so I know it's hard to get into talking about this without getting into spoilers, especially because you don't really get there until book two. But you really. Um, you put them in kind of different worlds within this greater world. How did you, what was, I guess, what brought you to that point? How did you create these two vastly different worlds within one same world for these two people? And, and kind of, cause you really have built up a single story. Like you've had multiple stories within the story that really bounce off of each other really well. <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing it justice. So why don't you talk about it a little <laughs> bit more? Yeah, so so they do, you know, the, the brother and sister bond. I, that was important to me to have the two of them be very close to each other. And Paige sees herself as more of the the protector, I guess. Um, and she's the one that, that holds Gavin up and doesn't see how he does that for her until he's no longer there. And, and she starts to kind of fall apart because she doesn't know how to deal with certain things and usually he's the one that helps her and she didn't realize how big of a part he played in her life so when the two of them do they do get separated um in the first book so you know it's not like it's a huge spoiler people will figure it out (laughs) um (laughs) but he he's with one group of people and she's with she gets taken by this other group of people and she gets taken to this fantasy kingdom right where i I use the term fantasy loosely because it is kind of a little bit, I guess, like a red queen sort of thing um, where you have the people with powers are the people who are in charge and the people without powers are, they're just the people. Um, Right. And she has to, I don't know, she has to kind of figure out where she fits into this and how she can get out of it. And nothing quite goes her way um and gavin is he's he's kind of thrust 
I feel like I'm not doing very well explaining this. <laughs> no, you're doing you're doing great. <laughs> um, I put you on the spot Gavin a little bit. Kind of, he he thinks that you know these people that he was with that rescued him from being captured, like his sister was, hmm. um, which he at first isn't very thankful for because he wanted to be with his sister, but he goes to this place and everything on the surface. I uh, I use the term surface loosely because they live underground, but on the surface, everything seems normal, right? Like these people have learned how to survive underground uh, because the, the surface is supposedly, it is not a safe place to be, right? Unless you have powers, which they also discover throughout the series that that's not, that's not true anymore either. Right. It may have been true at one time, mm -hmm. but it's not so much anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but he the more he kind of gets invested in the lives of these few friends that he has in this new place, he starts to, to see some of the issues. And, you know, with his, his high intelligence, he's, he's connecting those dots to other things that he has read about and that he knows about from the past. And so he's, he struggles because he wants to help the people, but at the same time, he doesn't know how to help the people because he doesn't see the full picture of what's going on. He just, he just sees the pieces. Right. Um, and so yeah, there's, there's the religious world that he's in that is, it touches more on the kind of dystopian trope mm -hmm. um, pretty classically because you've got these, this group of people who are in charge and they control everything. And he has to figure out how to help them break out of that. Like, he feels like that's his duty to help them. Right, right. And then, you know, Paige is stuck in that fantasy world where she... They live in a normal-looking place, and they have electricity because of solar panels and that kind of thing. But, but yeah, it's a monarchy. They've got their king, and... They have their rigid structure, and it is extremely rigid. They even have a person who is in charge of making sure that that structure remains in place. Right. Um, and so it's, I don't know, it was kind of fun to see how all of that unfolded for them. You know, it's, I, I really did think it, it's great that you've taken a look at what different groups of people might do after the collapse of a civilization, because it's obviously, it's, you know, a future dystopian world. And, and both of these both of these locations have completely done something different with that world and, and built up their own set of ideologies and right. political systems and that sort of thing. So I think that was that was that to me was a really interesting part of the story as well. Yeah, and I think that there I probably pulled a little bit of that from like the Walking Dead and the One Hundred. Okay. Because they you know, you go to different areas and things are run different because, right. you know, after everything collapsed that you just kind of have to pick up the pieces however you can. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think, you know, there's a lot of, you know, dystopian books where it's made to seem like everybody kind of did the same thing and they're all in this one system when re in reality there's, there wouldn't be the pieces that would connect each other like, like we have now. And I think, you know, some of those things get forgotten when we're, when we're in these dystopian worlds and not realizing, yeah, you know, these people would probably handle things somewhat differently than people in a different location. So, uh, right. yeah. 
So I thought that was really interesting the way the way it was put together like that, and that you could explore. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and that you explore you're exploring them in depth as well. You're not just mentioning mentioning them. We really get a an inside look at the two different civilizations. Um, so what do you want readers to walk? What do you want readers to feel as they walk away from your books? What kind of experience can they can they expect from this series? <laughs> from this series? Yeah. Um, I think that um, they should expect that it's going to get progressively worse before there's any hope of it getting any better. And and by progressively worse, I mean, it gets pretty stinking bad. Um, <laughs> I, I think I put all of them through the ringer pretty well before mm -hmm. we get to the end. Right. This, the end of the story is, you know, life isn't about all sunshine and roses. So sometimes things don't always end the way that you want them to okay and i don't i don't want to give away the ending i'm not going to say that it's like tragic and everything is terrible but you know things don't always turn out the way you want them to right okay yeah so as we're recording this you have the first three of four books out in the powers legacy series for the fourth one is scheduled to release july 26th so by the time this is out it's probably already out um so when this gets um, when the when the podcast is released, um, readers can pick up all four copies of your of the series and read the entire series. Um, yep. I highly I highly recommend you do. I've read the first three and I thoroughly enjoyed them. We'll see what <laughs> what book four does. <laughs> how well how much if it you thought book three was bad, you just wait. <laughs> um, so do you? I know you're finishing up edits for this book, so you might not be looking too far ahead yet. But what can readers expect from you next? No, I, I'm, there's always, I've always got coals, you know, burning in the fire. Um, I have, I'm, I'm in the early stages still of, of figuring it out, but I'm definitely going to be more rooted in fantasy for the okay. next series. Um, and it's going to be more about, you know, myths and legends and how they come to be. Cool. And, and and not necessarily myths and legends that we're familiar with, but you know the lore from this world that I'm building is it's going to be an exploration on where these things come from and what does it mean. Interesting. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. I can't wait to hear more about it as as that idea comes along. <laughs> um, so, Star, this is the greatest podcast in the multiverse. Can you tell me? how in a parallel universe, a different choice may have shaped another version of your life. I, I think that if I had continued with the screenwriting instead of switching to books, I probably would end up being a screenwriter, like, oh, yeah. like writing movies instead of books. Right. I, okay. So, yeah. So writing just in a different, a different format. That's, you know, I yeah. think, I think often, you know, and they're, they are very different um, yes. talents. Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> Is that something you think you might pursue one day? Like, are you working on a screenplay of, of one of your books, perhaps? Oh, I have tossed the idea around. Yeah. But there's always, I always have ideas for more books. And so, like, there are, I've got this one lady who re has read all of my books, and she she's always left a review for them. And every time, she's like, I want to see this as a movie or a TV show. Please make this. And I'm like, well, if I had any control over these things. Um. Absolutely. Yeah, sign me up. 
<laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for, for joining me today. Um, can you tell us where to find you and how people can get a hold of your books and follow you wherever wherever you are? Yeah, so you can visit me on my website. That's probably the best place to find everything. Uh, it's starzdavies.com. That's with two R's, S-T-A-R-R. And yeah, I uh, have autographed books that people can buy directly from me with bonus swag. And I have, you know, just the regular books. There's the freebies that, you know, are linked up on my website too. So if people want to kind of dip their toes in before they take the dive, they're welcome to do that as well. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you once again. And um, we will uh, we will chat with you soon. All right. Sounds good. Thank you once again for joining me this week. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Starzy Davies. Please tune in next week when I talk to author Cindy Gunderson about her latest release, The Blessing Giver. And we talk about romantic fantasy, her techniques for world building, as well as character development and the inspiration behind her works. It's a great conversation. I hope you join me. Like and subscribe if you haven't already, and I hope to see you next week. Bye now. Thank you.